2: You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 72. Marty Lee, Trey Yannity back with you. It's not wrong. It's not left. We got Noah Wright joining the <laughs> show again tonight. Great to have you back, Noah. What's your thoughts, thoughts on this offseason so far and really want you to tell us about some of your work. I know you've had a lot of content out these last couple of weeks, What you've been writing about and your thoughts you know, early in this offseason here.
3: Uh, you know, Pirates really haven't done much. I mean, we'll talk about their biggest signing so far. But, you know, mostly it's been roster moves that have been interesting to look at. But right now I'm working on just kind of look at what we might see improve next year. Maybe like look like at the first, like the three positions I think are going to be the most improved by the end of next year. That's the big one I'm working on right now. And I'm also looking at kind of like I had one earlier out about the outfield because I think there's a lot of outfield prospects that we're going to have. We're going to see a lot of let next year.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It was a really interesting week. Obviously, the roster crunch had to go down by this past Friday, and you know some moves were made there. We're going to talk about that before we get into that, Marty. I want to know how your last couple or how your last week has been. And I saw on Twitter that uh, there was some rap poll or something. The billboards had Sir Elton John at number three. I know that frustrated. They had Michael Jackson at eight. What was that all about, man?
4: Yeah, um, for those who don't know what Trey's talking about, I was scrolling through Twitter this evening. And saw the billboard to their top 10 greatest artists of all time. As much as I love the Beatles, they should not have been number one. It definitely should have been Elton John, who is number three. And like Trey said, Michael Jackson at number eight is a freaking crime. How do you Jackson is one of your five best artists of all time? Like, you're probably talking top three at worst for MJ. So, billboard, get your shit together.
2: Yeah, not, not a good poll there. Not a good poll, but great to have you back. want to hear about uh, you guys' Thanksgiving on the other side of this thing. Hopefully uh, some good plans in there. I know hunting season is beginning in Pennsylvania this upcoming week as well. So a lot of stuff going on, but the Pirates obviously had to make some crazy moves uh, this past weekend. They made a signing, like you said, Noah. They're bringing in Jose Quintana. He signs for $2 million He's now 32 years old. His past season with the Angels, he was 0-3, commanded a 6.75 ERA in 2021. I thought this signing was a fun one. I've always been a big Jose Quintana <laughs> fan. And, you know, we've seen these veterans come into the organization these last few years, kind of supplement at times. But I want your guys' first take on this signing. Marty, Marty, why don't you get us started there?
4: Um, Yeah, my first take on this signing is that somewhere, Neil Huntington is looking at this and smiling. Um, for those who don't remember – when Jose Quintana was traded from the White Sox to the Chicago Cubs, um, the Pirates were very, very heavily involved in those trade talks. I could not remember it completely off the top of my head, but I remember Nick and I at the time, we had a friend who worked in the White Sox front office. And from what we were told, the offer that was on the table that both sides had had agreed to was something along the lines of, I remember Jose Quintana – and Dane Dunning were both going to go to the Pirates and the Pirates are going to give up a package of what I believe was Adam Frazier, Josh Bell, Mitch Keller, Tyler Glass now. And there was another prospect in there. I cannot remember. That's a um, pretty big
3: package too for uh, he, well, Quintana. I mean, yeah, he was good then, but I mean, that seems like so much.
4: Well, what, what we were constantly told at the time was that Dane Dunning was the guy that Huntington really wanted more so than Quintana. Um, obviously it didn't happen. I don't remember the complete logistics of it, but I do remember the trade being, from what we were told, the trade being agreed to on like December 23rd. League offices were closed for Christmas, and by the time they reopened, it was one of the owners. I don't remember it was Bob Nutting of the White Sox owner who stepped in and nixed the trade and it fell apart. But regardless, somewhere, Neil Huntington is smiling because Jose Quintana, who he tried so hard to acquire following what was I believe what the 2015 season, I think it was. 15 or 16, he is finally a Pittsburgh Pirate.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, crazy stuff there. And, you know, we, we talk about the Chris Archer deal a lot on this show. Can you guys imagine if that one had gone down? The horrors, uh, you know, that we would be talking about nowadays. But, Noah, what was your reaction when you heard Jose Quintana was going to become a Pittsburgh Pirate?
3: It was, it was kind of like, I felt like, to be honest, it feels like Kington has already been a pirate because he kind of fits that mold of a <laughs> like the last few years that he's just kind of been that back of the rotation starter that like nobody really pays attention to. And also, like Marty said, all those rumors that were flying around about him years ago. But you know, it was kind of that feeling like a the Tyler Anderson signing, and like, oh, we just, you know, he's kind of a back of the rotation guy. But I also like look at it more, but it's like, I think he can bounce back. You look at it, he has some good peripherals, he has some good like X Whip, Sierra, DRA you know all those look decent and i know it's a small sample size of only 63, 63 64 innings but he had a 378 batting average on balls in play which i which you know his career average is about 300 so you know maybe some bad luck was involved there you know maybe we can get a pitcher with an era closer to 4 yeah, i think he's more of that pitcher like we saw Tyler Anderson who just comes in and gives you a few a uh, lot of innings and at least get like doesn't
2: completely implode by the 3rd inning yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Angels pitchers historically have not been great. Noah Syndergaard headed out there now, but Jose Quintana coming to the East Coast. Like you said, Noah, this is very reminiscent of Tyler Anderson last season. Some of the guys we've seen in the past. Where do you guys think he slots into the rotation? Is it going to be Tyler Anderson from the jump, or you know, does he come out as maybe even potentially the opening day starter?
4: I mean, I, I don't think he's the opening day starter, but I wouldn't completely roll that out either. Um, you look at the Pirate rotation right now to start next season, I feel very safe saying Miguel Ure's in there, Bryce Wilson's in there, two guys. Obviously, the Pirates have gone out and acquired in the course of the last 12 months, and they're going to want to give every opportunity in the world to to see what they can do. Um, I do think Nick and I were texting about this when Quintana was signed, but I do think the signing of Jose Quintana could be the writing on the wall for Stephen Brault. Um, I said earlier in the offseason that Stephen Brawl could be an under-the-radar, non-tender candidate because of the injury issues of the past and all of that, um, entering his final year of arbitration. And I wonder if signing Quintana, like I said, is leads to moving on from Brawl. But I think right now it, I, I would feel confident in saying Quintana, Uray, and Wilson are definitely in your starting rotation to start the season. And I think the only other guy who really could be in that conversation, and this hinges on some things, and, you know, this is stuff we will get into in future episodes as the offseason progresses. But with the new CBA, whenever it comes along, if they finally fix their ridiculous service time rules and allow guys to start the season in the majors and not cost the major league team a year of service, uh, I definitely think you see Rollins and Contreras in there as well. But I don't think you see Contreras in there unless that changes because the Pirates, and rightfully so, are not going to sacrifice year of service time for Contreras in a season in which they're going nowhere.
3: Yeah, I, I think I the one of the guys that you left out that I think that um, I'm kind of surprised you you left out was uh, JT Baker. I, I still really like JT Baker because, I mean, again, he was a guy that we looked underneath the hood was had some stats that suggested that maybe he got a little unlucky. But I, I don't think I think that among all our pitches that he right now would be our best opening day starter option. I mean, I, I'm not saying that's a great option, but. <laughs> Among the options we have right now, I definitely start him opening day over Quintana, but you know, I still think Quintana is going to be a you know that solid number five starter, maybe do something kind of like what Tyler Anderson did of and what they were hoping uh Trevor Cahill could have done, that but just didn't
4: see my thing with Brubaker. I really like Brubaker as well, I totally agree with you. But what worries me, I think, with him is the fact that last year his biggest issue was the home run ball, and the best way to fix the picture of the home run problem is to put them in the bullpen and give them less opportunities to give up home runs. <laughs> and I, I really do. I get, I really do like JT Brubaker as a starting pitcher. That said, I think he could be a dominant reliever. I agree with that. I think that could be a factor as well. Moving forward. I
3: agree with that, but he had like a 22.4% uh, home run to fly ball ratio. And that's like, that's like since 2010, there've only been like eight pitchers with a, that high of a rate. So I don't know if that'll, I don't think that's sustainable, but you know, we'll see what happens with Baker.
4: Yeah. I mean, like, I, honestly, I think push coming to shove Brubaker probably would start the year in the rotation. I just don't think he's necessarily slam dunked at those three r if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I think Wilson, Uray, Quintana, barring injury are in the rotation. I think Brubaker most likely is, but not a total guarantee like <sighs> it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I still I think Will Crow is going to be that fifth guy, to be honest, to start the season. I like him better as a starter. And I'm with you, Marty. I think JT Brubaker would would serve this organization better from the bullpen or at least take some time in the bullpen to to get right there. But that's going to be really interesting to kind of see how it shakes out. And, you know, if this CBA changes some things, we may see a Ronzi Contreras on the opening day roster. But we are gonna have to wait and see. Now, this week, guys, there were some pirates that, uh, potentially won't be pirates to start the opening day roster and there were some pirates that were protected as well for pittsburgh pirates leover Paguero, cannon smith and jigba jack Suwinski, and travis swaggerty were the four of the organization decided to protect <laughs> your thoughts here guys obviously a lot to break down within the players that they did not protect but with the guys that they protect were there any surprises or was this a slam dunk for the pirates
3: I wasn't really surprised by any of their protection, the guys they protected, because it seemed like that those were the locks to get, that most of those were the locks to get protected. The only one that kind of stood out a little bit was uh, Jack Swinski, which I didn't think was like going to be high up there to get uh, a spot. I figured that he would have gotten protection after a lot of the other guys that didn't get protected. But, you know, I can see why, because he's Rule 5 eligible. He had he a decent year down at Double A, so. Why not protect somebody who's, you know, playing well in the upper minors? I can see why, though.
4: Yeah, I mean, Swinsky didn't surprise me largely because he's a guy they just acquired in July. To acquire him in July and not protect him is definitely not a good look. Um, He also has some big time power potential, which some of the Pirates lack right now. And no, like you wrote about in your article the other day, the Pirates need outfield help. Well, they've got a lot of outfielders who could potentially make their major league debut this year and Swinski's in that bunch. Um, to me, it was not a surprise. Any of the guys at all that they protect, they protected. I expect all of them to be protected. I was a little surprised by some of the pitchers they didn't protect. Um, now I will preface this by saying when the CBA expires on December 1st, baseball is 100% going to be in a lockout. The players are going to go on strike. That is Sign, I'm if anyone's still holding out hope, I hate to break your hearts, but that is sign still delivered. We will have a strike come December 1st. Um, as a result, there's a possibility there is not a rule five draft at any point this offseason because. I think this is going to be a long, nasty lockout, and by the time it gets there, resolved,
3: the, the Rule 5 draft is supposed to be on December 8th, and the CBA expires on the 1st, so, yeah, you it, know. It, there's... It's
4: happening on time, for sure. No, no chance. It, it, I'm not sure it happens at all, because I think by the time everything gets resolved, you could be into February or March, and it's just like, shit, let's get the spring training and get this rolling. So that may have been a factor for the Pirates and not protecting certain guys. That said, if there is a Rule 5 draft, <laughs> You know, Tanaj Thomas is one for me to watch. Again, he's a guy similar to some other people we've talked about where he's got those two really, really good pitches, and he's a top 100 prospect, but he does not develop a third pitch. Him as a starting pitcher is up in the air. That said, some team is going to look at him and say, look, the kid throws 100. He's already got one off-speed pitch. Let's hide him in the bullpen for the year. We just saw the Pirates do that with Luis Oviedo. It's easy to be done, especially for a team who's not contending. And I think Eddie Yeen is another pitcher I would watch to potentially be drafted and see a team try and stash them away, stash him away in their bullpen for a year, and then send them to the minors next year to start working back as a starting rotation pitcher. But all that aside, like I said, I do think the fact that the Rule 5 draft happening, I mean, the odds of it happening are probably less than 50-50 at this point. Um, I do think that was a factor in the Pirates not protecting those guys. The only other maybe surprise of not protecting guys is Mason Martin. Um, but Jason Mackie even the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette had a great article on this the day of, of uh, the deadline to protect players. There has not been a, a first baseman drafted in Rule 5 draft since I think like 2014, 2013, something like that. No. It's not super common to see. So that was probably a factor as well. And also with Martin – He's a guy who, while I think could have a good future in the majors as, you know, a Pedro Alvarez type, uh, hit you 30 home runs but strike out a whole bunch. That's not the kind of guy you're going to try and protect with a Rule 5 pick because it's going to be too hard to hide them on the roster.
3: Yeah. I mean the the only one like I was shocked that they didn't protect Thomas because that seems like a guy that's gonna go first so that seems like that seems like the quintessential rule five pick
4: yeah the that was, that throws was big
3: really prize. really yeah. hard like so, like has command issues but is young and so just so for raw talent and can throw a hundred and you know touches 100 miles an hour regularly and that just seems like why do that seems like a guy that's gonna go so early in the draft that if it if it happens. Eddie Yeen, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of split on thinking about Eddie Yeen and his, like, whether or not he's going to get picked. Because, for one, yeah, he also fits that, you know, throws hard, has the good stuff, lots of talent, lots of raw talent. But he's also, I think, like two years younger than Thomas. He's going to go into next year at 20 years old, mm-hmm. and he's also going to be – and he won't turn 21 until about halfway through the season. So he's – I think there's going to be some teams that might think, well – do we really want to use that one roster spot on a twenty-year-old who's going to pitch like ten innings, and we're just going to try and hide him on the roster all year? Which I mean, it's happened before, so I don't know. But I just feel like that there's going to be some teams looking at his age and thinking he might be a little too young, and look at somebody else that's similar but a year or two older and more advanced, like has played in the upper, a little bit more in the upper minors because he's, he only has pitched at eight ball, so he's like uh thomas is already pitched at high a, which is only a step below double a but jeans only ha- had gotten to bradenton and you know like martin like you're saying with martin that he's just not a guy that teams are going to look at in the rule five draft he's an all-or-nothing power hitter it's like you can probably find one of those somewhere within other organizations you know there's probably every organization probably has a mason martin somewhere in there or somewhere in the on the double a AA or triple a roster that
2: <coughs> they could they could use in the future yeah, dime a dozen type player, no doubt about it. And we saw the power and, you know, the excitement from, uh, you know, Mitchell or Mason Martin rather to, to start last season. But there was a bit of a drop off, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Some interesting names here. And, you know, you guys talk about Eddie Yeen. What does that Josh Bell deal even mean to this organization? I mean, Will Crow, <laughs> you know is what he is. But uh, Eddie Yean was a little bit surprising to me. That was certainly the centerpiece of that deal. I, I know you
4: really like Eddie I'm a huge
2: Eddie Yeen guy. I'm the biggest I mean, I, Eddie I, guy. I will say the
4: Josh Bell trade, I think it goes to show what... Both the Pirates and a lot of people around baseball truly thought of Josh Bell as a player.
2: Exactly. And, I mean, we saw the results. You know, he, he had a pretty poor season in D.C. And, um, you know, it, it, Will Crow didn't move the needle by he, any he means. He did. Bell, I mean, I think Bell just
3: is what he is at this point. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's like a 115, 120 WRC plus guy. He's got to give you a little bit of power and get you on know, base. But he's got to, his best position is probably D.H. And he's not you. And he won't be like top of the line D.H. He's just kind of like. He's just kind of like what you'd expect, you know, 250, 350, 500 guy that gives you some power and just gets on base, but really is a DH at best. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. That,
4: last year was only the second. I, I pulled up out of curiosity. Uh, last season with the Nationals was only the second season in Josh Bell's career that he had a war over one. Um, Fangraphs had his war last year at one4 um, other than the two point four war he had with the pirates in twenty nineteen, that was a career high for him. So again, it's just Bell is who he is. Like you said, no, he's gotten you some home runs, he's gonna draw some walks, but he's also gonna give you or just horrendous defense and probably not hit for enough contact to really maximize his power potential. Yeah.
3: I mean he he when the when the pirates traded him, he had under five war in like four seasons. I mean yeah, when,
4: when the pirates traded him I know the war two, isn't a
3: perfect stat, but if you don't have at least five war within, like, four seasons, it's just what are you doing?
4: When the Pirates traded him, mean, he's five seasons into his career, and his, his war on fan graphs was 3.3. 3. That's yeah, not true. good. That's no. not good.
2: Not at all. And, you know, the timing with that deal, too, just made so much sense. Josh Bell was not going to be part of this organization in that window of contention. So you, you live with that deal by all means. But, um, you know, you guys know how I feel about Eddie That, that one hurt a little bit. Uh, you know, some other prospects around baseball, some other relatively big names unprotected uh, around baseball. Were there any names that stuck out to you guys that other teams decided not to protect?
4: Yeah, with, with other guys who went unprotected, um, I, I think one guy for the Pirates to potentially watch who went unprotected in the Roll Five draft, um, from the Tampa Bay Rays. Could be infielder, and I, I apologize. If I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, but infielder Miles Mastroboni. Um, last year with Triple A, he started there. Double A got to Triple A. At Triple A, he had WRC plus 115. He walked at a 13% rate. Um, did not it for much power, but drew walks. Like I said, a 13% rate got on base at a 385 clip. Can play all over the infield, and with the Pirates needing. Still having a lot of questions around the middle infield to start the season, I could see them taking a shot on a guy like that. Um, that also then gives you the ability, if you want to take a Tucapito, Marcano, a Diego Castillo, whoever it may be, and have them start the year at AAA and kind of refine some things, that becomes easier to do. And it just you know, that middle infield right now is a complete question mark because I'm still not convinced Kevin Newman is here for Opening Day. Um, O'Neill Cruz is a guy who, like Ron Cucchiara, that we mentioned earlier, is going to be hamstrung by the service time rules if those don't change in the CBA. So that that would be one name, I think, to watch, that top overall pick. I think he's a guy who's definitely going to be drafted. And it wouldn't shock me to see the Pirates take him in the Rule 5 draft with, what, I think they pick, what, third or fourth? Um, It wouldn't shock me to see them take him just to try and get some info depth on this roster.
2: Yeah. no. did you see anybody that caught your eye?
3: I was just while he was while we were talking about that, looking through like some of the depth charts and stuff on uh, Fangraphs. But you know, one guy that the Tampa Bay Rays didn't protect was Blake Hunt, and that's who one of the guys that they got in the uh, in the Blake Snell deal. And he's one of their catching prospects. He's he's a decent catching prospect. So and right now the Pirates could use that second catcher on the bench. And you know if Hunt if they can somehow pull. Pull out and get Hunt from the Rule Five Draft. Then I definitely look at it as a possibility.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Some solid names there, and Marty. I mean, Mastrobelli could get super messy if you mispronounce it. So you killed it on that one.
4: And that was my concern. Like, that's one that could have taken him one eighty in the wrong direction. Yeah, fast.
2: Quickly, very quickly. But no, you guys handled it very well. I we start and,
4: putting that explicit logo on Apple Podcasts. Actually, I was like going to
2: say, the black box over the mouth, yeah. No, we avoided that for episode number 72 at least. But it's going to be interesting to see. Pirates do have a pretty high pick there. And um, you know, hopefully can make some noise if we even have a Rule 5 draft. And guys, in the article linked to this episode, we're going to have the guys that were protected by the Pirates and the guys they decided not to protect somewhere in that article as well. So you guys be sure to check that out. But uh, I, I, I was on Twitter today, and I saw that um, Brian Reynolds, and this is kind of a petty way to clo- close out our show here tonight, but <laughs> I saw that Brian Reynolds uh, was not selected for either the first or second all MLB teams. Now, I, I do believe they split these up by the National and the American League, but you're telling me Brian Reynolds was not one of the top six outfielders in the National League.
4: Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, personally, I think Reynolds finished what? I think like eighth. 7th or 8th in NLP yeah. voting, I thought that was too low. Um, he the 11th, I believe. Man, I thought he cracked – if he didn't even crack top 10, that's real bad. I guess where he cracked top 10, regardless. Terrible, because Brian Reynolds has had one of the best seasons you're ever going to see an outfielder have. Um, yes, I get he was on a bad team. That hurts, but, man, it's just – the disrespect for Brian Reynolds is ridiculous around baseball. My only hope, and even though I know this is not realistic, I know this is not the facts, I'm going to keep hoping it is. My only hope is that they continue to disrespect Brian Reynolds. The Pirates can get him at this kind of price for the extension. That that's I know it's not going to be a factor whatsoever, but I'm going to tell myself it is.
2: I was going to say. I mean, some of the trades we've seen mocked up, or at least around the All Star break, were just embarrassing, and it's uh, you know it speaks volumes for the disrespect for Brian Reynolds at this point. Is there an update? You guys think are we getting any closer to seeing that extension? You know, is that going to be knocked out potentially before? the cba expires
4: i mean i have no doubt the pirates would love to get knocked out for the cba expires. <laughs> um i think that wander franco extension today could kind of set some parameters Oh, uh, i
3: want to say if the rays can give wander franco 225 million dollars why can't we give brian reynolds something like that too
4: <laughs> and my thing is like and this is no knock on reynolds whatsoever but he should be cheaper than wander franco and by a decent amount because I mean, I'm, I'm thinking if you're the Pirates and you could offer Reynolds something like eight or nine years for like that 130 to 150 million total, I think that's a very fair offer. If I'm Brian Reynolds, I would jump on that offer. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see it done. And like you said, no, if the Tampa Bay Rays were throwing this, we could do that. You, yeah, there's anybody no. Anybody can. Yeah, if exactly. the Rays can, anybody can. I don't care if you're the Pirates. I don't care if you're the Oakland Athletics, whoever the hell you are. If Tampa Bay is doing this, anybody can do it. But, you know, on a on a note with that, too, good on Tampa Bay for going out yeah. and doing this, you know, for committing to Franco, committing to build around him for the next 10, 11 years. And just, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. And as fans of a small market team, it's really cool to see because it gives you hope that maybe your team will – Potentially go out there and do the same with Brian Reynolds or with a key Brian Hayes or, you know, somebody. Whoever, comes. Whoever yeah.
0: your
3: star player is on that on that uh, small market team. Exactly. <laughs>
4: yeah And uh, I, will, I will say, too, you know, in, in the defense of the Pirates, they actually have always done a really good job of locking their guys up. Yeah. McCutcheon, Marte. Polanco, Johnson. I mean, yeah, they
3: they locked McCutcheon in well until when he was a good player. So it's not yeah. like oh he's gonna demand for so much because like, he's now proved like he that was he's not gonna the
4: defiant when he left here. Like did they, they the pirates honestly have done a very good job of locking their guys up and getting most of their through prime their
3: prime, yeah.
4: yeah.
3: yeah. The, the only one um, I can really think so of is Marte, good. who's still doing really good, but I mean I still think we got as much as we possibly could out of oh yeah. Marte. I mean you got
4: a, a top 100 shortstop prospect. Like you, you couldn't ask for much more. Now, like I said, we joke, but in all honesty, the Pirates of small market teams have actually done a really good job over the years of keeping their guys here past arbitration seasons.
2: They have, you know, and this front office has been so smart about that in Tampa Bay as well. Just such a brilliant, smart office with everything that they're doing down there in Florida. But we're going to have to wait and see there. Gonna have to deal with Scott Boris. Uh so that might, you know, throw a loop in some things here. But gonna be interesting. And Noah, before we get out of here tonight, I don't know if we're gonna have the chance to have you on before that CBA expires. I want your thoughts on just the landscape in general, what you expect to be done, if anything, (laughs) how long you expect this lockout to go. Just your thoughts on the upcoming I think
3: personally, I think that it will go. Faster than what people think. No, I, I know that that's just might be me being optimistic because I'm naturally optimistic sometimes about things like this, <laughs> but I do have a little bit of reason, at least to it. You know, last year owners had, you know, less revenue coming in because opened the season with, with, uh, less, t- less, uh, it was within just only so many people could come into the stadium year before that 60 game season, no fans, I don't think that owners of all people are going to forego a third season of decreased revenue over this. So I'm hoping that means that they're going to be more flexible. And also that also means the players are going to be more flexible in all the negotiations that and I'm holding on to hope. That's what happens because I really wanted to go over fast as quick as possible.
4: I mean, I hope you're right. I hope it's over as quick as possible. I mean, I will say <clears throat> barring something just catastrophic, I can't envision the regular season not starting on time. Excuse me. I do think there's a possibility for spring training to start late or for spring training to be wonky in some fashion because of this. But I I can't envision the regular season not starting on time. Ultimately, and this kind of builds off of what you were getting at, Noah. Right now, baseball is not in a position for this. I mean, we love baseball, obviously. If you're listening to this podcast, you love baseball most likely as much as we all love baseball, as much as it pains me to say, baseball is a dying sport in this country, you know, which is super sad to say about the national pastime, but they can't afford this. You know, one thing in the early days of Rumble radio trade that you, Nick and I used to talk about was back in the summer of 2020 early on, it looked like that baseball was going to be that first sport back maybe 4th of July week. I remember I was talking about how cool it'd be 4th of July weekend, baseball's back, starting to get on the other side of COVID crap and all of this, And it didn't happen. And it turned out to turn him from what looked like a potential shiny moment for baseball to being a big black eye. And this will be another big black eye. And if there's one sport that cannot afford any more big black eyes, it is definitely baseball. And But, hey, you know what? The last time baseball had this ugly of a lockout – everyone just got juiced and hit 80 home runs a year maybe we'll get that coming out of it
2: yeah. yeah i was gonna say maybe it'll lead to some exciting baseball yeah, well, uh, no Mike
4: Well, cranking that. 95 bombs next season
2: you <laughs> know. hey that could be natural that might be that might be no That's true ju- it's sorry, i
4: wouldn't even question that one
2: else cruise definitely has that power to uh break want, yeah record, I mean, just naturally <laughs> just be a pirate why not no very well said there it's gonna be a crazy time i mean there's no way around it it's gonna have some some form or fashion of craziness and you know maybe spring training does look wonky I don't know if it can look more wonky than the year that Will Ferrell played every position on the field hopefully uh <laughs> you know there's at least some form of it this season though but I'm with you I think the regular season does start on time because like you said Noah the owners don't want to suffer that loss in revenue and I, I think it really does come down to dollars and cents at the end of the day but gonna be fun to watch gonna be fun to follow and as always Noah it's so fun to follow your work on rumbuncher.com you. your final thoughts here as we close it out tonight
3: just get the CBA done as fast
2: as possible. I don't want to wait on this. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, what you got as we close it out here on this Thanksgiving episode around bunch of radio?
4: Uh, not a whole lot, you know. Hope everybody enjoys the holiday. Um, like you said, Trey in Pennsylvania, deer season is start. So I'm sure we have listeners out there who will be deer hunting this weekend. Good luck to you. And for uh, anybody out there for Pennsylvania State high school football playoffs whose schools are still playing like mine, good luck to you. Unless you're a Southern Columbia fan because – Listen, (laughs) um, third time's a charm for my Richland Rams is the year we finally take you down.
2: You guys, you guys might not be able to see this right now if you're listening. Marty is wearing a Richland football t shirt, he is ready to go.
4: I am. All, hey, it's baby. big game Friday, it's 30 years <laughs> ago. We played them in the state playoffs, they've Ooh. gone on to win the state championship the last two years. Oh, you know, every, every poll has us one two in the state right now. This is a big game Friday, so they gotta Richland, rock South
2: week. Columbia, man. This is uh, this is going to be the primetime matchup of the week. We're gonna we're, we'll get you guys updated <laughs> on that the next time we meet here on Run Buncher Radio. But as Marty said, have a great Thanksgiving, enjoy the rest of the week. The rest this offseason. Until next time, for Noah Wright and Marty Lee, my name is Trey Andity. Thank you for listening to Rum Bunch Radio. Let's go, bud.
0: This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine